Good morning. Why do we come here this morning? To do our duty. Maybe. That opening, I feel there's something that leads up to the opening. And it's a lot of times with the promises of God, um, where he promises that, like this one, that all things work together for those that love the Lord. And that key word to those that love the Lord. The work, the uh, pursuing God in a way where it's real, where it's um, where it's our heart's desire. And I, I tell this one verse again: Draw an eye to God, and He will draw an eye unto you. And to see that courage that these men had to go against a whole nation. And to go against all odds because they trusted in the Lord. Such trust does not just appear. And we come into life and we face the hard things in life when we face our battles. They they don't just automatically appear because we've heard about God or we said, um, I've given my life to the Lord or I, I responded to an altar call or something like that. Our hearts need to be prepared. Our lives need to be nourished in that way so that we so that we are ready. So amen. Okay, with uh, the messages we've heard lately, I think we can all agree they were directed towards young believers. And um even to to those of us that are refreshed or recommitted our life, well, I want to add another one. And and again, not only to young believers, but to God's people in general. And my message title is, How Shall a Man Cleanse His Way? And see, we, we might make some radical moves or decisions or commitments in our lives and then we feel okay we should be pretty good we we did it here we made a decision now life should be saved well if we just take the example of we just heard in the opening yes there was the wilderness but then there was going into the rest And how did the rest go? How did the rest of God's people go? They had quite a few battles to fight. And those battles that they didn't fight haunted them later on. So I want to encourage you this morning, hopefully, to appreciate and focus on the Word of God in a new way. And not live off uh, secondary materials, which is, which is good, but there's more than that. The Word of God 
is our main source. And every believer needs to know the Word of God in a new and a personal way. This is one method of surviving, is to know the Word of God in a new and in a personal way. And it, to me, it's, it's like every other thing that we do. We have to look at our human aspect. What, does, what will it take to do that practically? But I know for sure that one thing is, is to study the Word of God and make sure we have ways figured out that we study, that we immerse ourselves in the Word of God. And to look at it as such, there's this story of, of a missionary, I think it was David Livingstone, who went into the hearts of Africa. And back then, of course, geography wasn't as uh, rapidly or as clearly thought it is today. And uh, so he, he packed all his, most of, I don't know how much of his library, but um, many books and lots of materials, and he soon found out that there's uh, lots of weight to carry. So how is he going to lie in the load? So he started getting rid of a few books. After a while, he saw it in the still too heavy and got rid of more books, and after a bit again, till finally he threw out all his books except one, the Word of God. And it's an example of how in our lives, through all the noise, through all the clamor, we have to come down to the pure Word of God. And I feel that every believer has to have a relationship there. And I, you know what I mean with a relationship? There has to be some kind of a relationship, a reflection, that you only know with the Word of God, where the Holy Spirit can use in a, in a powerful way for protection, for the advancement of the kingdom of God. So hopefully we can speak on that. Let's all stand for a prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we worship you this morning. We are grateful, Lord God. We are thankful that we can be called your children. That we have this pri the privilege of having access to, to your word. For that very word that was preserved throughout the ages, throughout all those years, Lord. Where we can glean of it. Where we have the privilege of reading and studying and knowing of you and your ways, Lord. We thank you for this tremendous privilege. We pray, Lord, that in all of our hearts we can set aside all the things that tear us away from it, that separate us from the Word, and that you give us clear hearts and clear minds to see your Word so that it may be real and come alive through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that if we have not, if we have not gotten to know your word, we pray, Lord, that you will move in our hearts even this hour, Lord, to gain a desire to see your word and to immerse ourselves in your precious word, Lord, to know more of you, to know more about you. So we thank you for, for this preciousness. We thank you for this hour. And Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you move in our hearts, that the enemy will have no room in this room, that your, this room will be, will be filled with your glory. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. So, being a believer, a journey in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for over 20 years, seeing my ups and downs, observing, I've come to realize, to the realization that many Christians struggle with finding fulfillment in their walk. Finding purpose. I see people struggling with the same issues for years and years. And it's not that the struggles are so hard. I see people struggling with the same sins. I see a powerless Christianity. I see Christians with little to no motivation sharing the gospel. I see believers rarely sharing about what Christ has done in their life. On the other hand, why do we have believers that come to Christ, they believe, they engage, and they start walking? You look at their lives a few years later and there's clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is using them to touch, to encourage, to bless other people, to bless the church. It's clearly evident that the Holy Spirit is working through them. And it's, it's evident when the Lord uses them to minister to his people. It's evident when he uses these same people to touch others' lives, to make them salty and hungry and thirsty for Christ. So on one hand, we have people that continuously struggle and struggle. We have the promise of Jesus who said, He who believes in me out of his belly, out of his innermost, shall flow rivers of living water. And then we have to ask ourselves, why is it not happening in my life? Why... Is the promise of Jesus not real in my life? Jesus said it, and God does not lie. He who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. We have that kind of believer, and then we have a believer that there's, it's dry. Struggles are evident. So why the contrast? Why do we have these effective works coming from one believer that clearly seems to thrive in the faith and one is barely, barely surviving? We have quite a few young believers here with us this morning. What is our advice to them? What can we tell them? Well, first of all, we can talk about the the rebirth. Born again. 
Without that miraculous God, we go nowhere. And it has to be real. It has to be in accordance with the word of God. Jesus said in John 3, 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And we can fight with that as long as we want. We must be born again. And we can talk about what that means. But um, I, I believe most of us know it. And I'll say it in this one sense, born again means to be started on a new, um, new, how should I say, from a new position, humility, surrendering everything at the foot of the cross. And if there's one point of pride in coming to the cross, it will not happen. We come in humility. We believe we believe what he died, that he died for us. We believe that he has forgiven us. We believe that it's the only atonement that God will be satisfied with. In Hebrews 4, he's talking about the rest again. <clears throat> he said, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Once we've heard about it, we, we labor. We labor to enter into that rest. Not resisting the working of God. For the God, word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and of marrow and is a discerner, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And verse 13 of Hebrews 4, Neither is there any creature that is not manifested, manifest in his sight, but all things are naked, and open unto the eyes of with him we have to do. So, God sees who we are. He sees our struggles. He knows us inside out. And there are many times I marvel when I see people struggling and resist God. He knows everything. He knows who we are. And... If we run from God, sooner or later, we'll be thrown overboard, so to speak, as Jonah was. But we will be revealed. The minute we were born into this world, we were destined to deal with eternity. Think about that. The minute we were conceived, we were destined to deal with with eternity. And there's only one solution, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. If we resist, if we fight, we will be miserable. We will be a miserable human being. So once we've come to the realization of the holiness of God, on top of that, the other salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, we see our unworthiness, and we are compelled to repent. We repent for violating the laws of God, for sinning against Him, sinning against God's people. And He faithfully redeems us and forgives us. Repentance is important. It's one of the things that we're able to look back and recognize the working of God. 
This is one thing that I want you. Okay, well, I'm working up to the word of the importance of the work of God, but I feel there's a little, be a little bit introduction. Okay, so follow me. Repentance is important, and it's one of the things that we will be able to look back and recognize the working of God. As Jesus said in 8:36, "If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed." And in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is again a verse that needs some history. What has happened in our life? It's not just an empty promise. All things, all things are passed away. They're gone. And behold, all things are becoming new. And a person who has experienced that will experience the word of God in a new and living way. I've heard comments and Bible school, young people have heard them, I think even shared here. The songs, they had a new meaning. They were alive. They were a testimony. This is what happens. But how do we keep it that way? When, we, when repentance has truly happened in a, page, in a person, there's a humility that sets in because we see the goodness of God and how undeserving we are of His grace. Automatically, I'd like to say, a humility sets in. Because we see how undeserving we are of the goodness of God. How undeserving we are of His grace. But yet we believe by faith that it's there. Turn to 2 Corinthians 7. I, I, I think these verses you should have your finger on. And it shows of true repentance. <clears throat> I'm still on my introduction. My introduction today will be longer than my message. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. So godly sorrow, when we cry, when we mourn about our former life, about our sin, and we've come to the place where we realize the working of God, where we realize how we need him. There's a sorrow, a godly sorrow. And it worketh to repentance, to salvation. And not to repent it, not to go back, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I was, I messed up. No. A godly sorrow, sorrow worketh repentance to salvation and not to be repented of. The sorrow of the world, however, just worketh that. The kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. This is the sorrow that God wants us to experience. It leads us away from sin, our former life, our self-absorbed life. It's all about me, me, me. And, and results in salvation. Verse 11. 
For behold, the selfsame thing that you saw it after in a godly sort. Here it does. What carefulness it wrought in you. Like carefulness. We're not careless anymore with the word of God, with the things of God, with eternity. What clearing of yourself. Clearing of yourself. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. And what revenge. These things start working in our lives as when true repentance comes in. And it's not only one time. It could be daily. Or whenever the Holy Spirit convicts us of something in our lives. These things start working in our life. Zeal. Revenge against the sin as, as Paul spoke about in... Um, in Ephesians, he who still let him steal no more, but let him work with his hands. We make our wrongs right. What indignation, what carefulness it wrought in us. In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. He's talking about when, probably about the first letter, and he saw their repentance. Repentance does a special work in a person. And I know nowadays, a lot of times when, when the gospel is being preached in the Western world, there's not much emphasis put on repentance. But there's only one forgiveness that works before God, is that the repentance of our sin. That's it. None of our mistakes, none of our excuses, none of things we come up, why we did this, or not blaming someone else. But we take ownership. We take ownership of where we violated, where we sinned, and we repent. And it's a gift. Once we're confronted with it, we do not run. Okay. So the new birth has happened. In a young believer, there has been a clear repentance. Sin has been dealt with. What next? Is it over? Can we relax? Put our guards down and take it easy. I'm in the promised land. I believe this is where a young believer puts on his boots. And this is a time where he's entering to identify and, in, and participate with God's people in the work of God. Our focus is changing from being self-absorbed to serving other people. As Paul said in Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Everything that Christ Jesus did was for other people. And he goes on to say how Jesus humbled himself even though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. However, having said that and realizing that God has to do his work in us, we at the same time have to build, be being built up in Christ. 
Every believer, as I said, if a young believer will get good counsel, the first counsel will be be part of your church. Not just geographically, not just a pew warmer, but what's going on? What is the heart of God doing in your midst? Learn to sense the heartbeat of God in the midst of his people. And you learn to sing. You learn to walk. You learn to identify with God's people. Resisting that will be the first failure. Walking outside of God's people will be the first path to failure. I, I promise you that. Sometimes you're a believer, young believer, say, well, I want to reach my friends. I've never seen it work. Never. They usually get drugged into it, and they're worse off than they were before. Never, a believer should never separate themselves from the body of Christ, identifying with it, being coming under submission with it, submitting to another, being one. This is why Christ spoke in, the, in the John 17 about one, oneness. Walking in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. Colossians 2, 6. As ye have therefore received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and builded up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So, yes, there is identifying with the body of Christ, but then there is a building up. How do we build up? And we've come to, we, we'll, we're coming to that place where I want to get to. And there's two ways in which God arranged for a believer to be built up. <clears throat> and I've already mentioned and often I'm not repeating myself, but I feel it's very important. Again, one of them is, one of the protections we have is God's people. And working and growing with God's people. To identify and participate at a level that is unknown to the world. And like I said, I will not spend much time with that. I usually do that. But at this point, I feel... I want to focus on the second one, the Word of God. But I want to leave you with a few warnings on that one. One of the warning signs that every believer should have, and listen, I, I feel this is not just theory anymore. One of the warning signs that every believer should have as to struggle to find their way is if there's no special identity with the church or the brothers and sisters they are walking with. This is a telltale. This should be a telltale in your life that there's something wrong. The Holy Spirit will have a drawing to his people. There will be a humility there that seeks to identify with his people. And if you cannot find that identity, just stop playing games with God. It is the wisdom of God that put us in this situation that designed the church, the oneness, to be. And young people, those who have given their lives, recommitted your lives, keep a sharp sense 
and tenaza. How you're doing with that? It's a journey. It's struggle. But if you find yourself separated and calling it them to the church and me and Jesus, you're going to lose it. You'll not survive. First John 1 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. <clears throat> one of the signs of believers, again, just to check ourselves. Is loving God's people. This is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, in my life, is loving God's people, namely our brothers and sisters. Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Notice it's a two-way street. We don't expect people to love us, that's self-pity. But we intentionally choose, as the Holy Spirit gives, to love our brothers and sisters. We choose that. This is a clear sign that we are his disciples. A disciple is someone that learns, knows about Christ, that grows in Christ, that loves the word of God, that wants to be a follower of Christ, there is a two-way love there. There are many more ways we can be involved with the church <clears throat> if we allow ourselves to be. But one thing I want to leave you here, separating has never worked, never will. Always seek to identify with the local body of Christ. So anyway, the second way. So one is... Finding one is with the body of Christ. The second way, the second way that I feel is important, there's more. The word of God is full of wisdom if we look for it. But I want to focus on these two this morning. Is having a personally devoted time to God in prayer, studying the word, and increasing in the knowledge of Him. I feel if there's one thing that we take for granted in our life, it's the Word of God. And you are reminded again of the preciousness of it when we take a week aside, as we did here in January. Look into the Word and glean up the wisdom that is given us from it. It's powerful. The Word of God is powerful. If you have taken the Word of God series in your life, you will look back and you will find testimony after testimony where the word of God came up and it gave you comfort. It has given you answers. It has encouraged you. It has given you the promises of God. It's all there. The word of God is powerful. The Holy Spirit makes it alive. But if we do not treasure it, we don't get nothing. There is a story 
about a, a Bible distributor. I'm not sure what his name is. Gaylord uh, Camber, Camberami. <clears throat> he was the general of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe. And he tried to give a New Testament to a wild, drunken, vile, belligerent man. Like, you know that attitude when it comes to the Word of God. I don't need it. Because he felt that he's, he's enjoying, he's, he's doing okay. He knows what he's doing. He's got all the answers. When he's down, he's, he drinks. When he needs a little bit more fun, he takes a cigarette. And so on and on, you can figure out what the life is, what I've been about. The man insisted that he would roll the pages and use them to make cigarettes. Gaylord said, I understand that. Go ahead. But at least promise to read the page. Like, as you tear them out, read the page of the New Testament before you roll them up and before you smoke it. Okay? Agreed. The man agreed, and the two went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, the two men met at a convention in Zimbabwe. The scripture smoking pig and had been saved and was now a full-time evangelist. He told the audience, I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke. When I got to John 3, 16, I couldn't smoke anymore. My life was changed from that moment. He only, we only run, we only play with the word so and so long till the power of the word comes and, and uh, arrests us. When he got to John 3, 16, he was done. And he said, my life changed from that moment. God's book is more than just words on paper. It changes lives, it builds. God has left us this work. It's like I said, from the moment we came into this world, we were destined to deal with eternity. The word of God is the grace of God to help us, to direct us, to lead us. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, <clears throat> we start at verse 14 down to 17. <clears throat> verse 14, <clears throat> Paul is admonishing Timoth uh, Timothy here. And I feel in the same way we can admonish our youth or one another, very much in the same way. <clears throat> And I, from a childhood, have known the scriptures. 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So, Knowing the scripture, even growing up, even studying the scripture, makes us wise for salvation. Again, what is wise? It's making the right choices. When the Holy Spirit comes with conviction and presses on our hearts to change, to give our lives to him, 
to know what I've been taught, what the word of God has been given to me, what my mom taught me through all these years, or the Bible scriptures that my parents told me, the Bible stories, the songs that we sing, they make us wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say in verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Did you notice that all, of, all four of those need humility? <clears throat> God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. All four of them need humility for the word of God, even to make an impact in our life. Pride is a shield for the, preventing the word of God to even have an effect in our life. Doctrine. That's where teaching about the things of God and communicating instructions on the word of God. Well, if I have pride, no one needs to teach me anything. I've got it all figured out. How would I ever grasp the truths of the word of God if there's pride? So, in order for the scripture to be given, we have to come in humility. And it is given by the inspiration of God. For reproof, convincing a man of his sins. Now that takes a lot of humility. Sin. Every area of our life where we're walking, not in sync with God, with the Holy Spirit, or with the Word of God. Reprove is rebuking it. In a loving manner, it's um, the word. The word convicts us of our wrongs and and points us back to Christ. Makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Correction: the word of God is putting men into the proper condition. Like I've lived this life up till now. Well, the word of God says this is how we need to live. With, with the meetings we're doing all winter, we can apply that. The word of God is being preached. We examine our lives. Again, it takes humility. Things will be reproved. We'll know about the doctrines of God. And then the word of God also corrects us. It's instruction in righteousness. Man need not only to be made acquainted with truth, to be convinced of his error, and to be reformed. But he needs to be taught what is right and what is required of him in order that he may lead a holy life. He who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So instruction in righteousness. Again, I'll point out again, humility is a very important role here. And why? Verse 17. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how will we ever get these privileges from the word of God if we never study them? Think about a young believer that is loaded with all kinds of questions. Yes, there's discipleship and teaching, but a personal pursuit of scripture, I feel, is on another level. Spending time in the word and in prayer is what will nourish a believer and strengthen him. Not secondary. Faith comes by hearing the word. That's beautiful. But spending time in prayer and in scripture is what will nourish a believer and strengthen him. The word equips a believer. It is the only armor in Ephesians 6 for offensive warfare. The rest are for protection. Protecting from the attacks. The sword is offensive. They are to defend the preciousness of God. The sword, however, is to defeat the enemy. All three temptations of Jesus were fended off with the word of God. Jesus, God in flesh, used scriptures to defeat the devil in every temptation. What do we use for temptation? Well, I got a hint or instructions. The word of God. The word of God is a sword. Jesus used it as a sword. And the enemy tried to use it too, but there's no, there's no power on it. So without the word of God, we're actually very vulnerable to temptation, to the devil. And remember, he is always out to destroy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So how precious is the word? And I'm not talking about knowledge, but there's something precious that happens to a believer who has received the Spirit of God. All of a sudden, the Word comes to life from a written letter to words of life. A connection is being formed. We start to identify with the Word. The Word is then written on our hearts and minds we start to fulfill the word in our very lives and live it out instead of trying to attain it by our own power. So there is a miracle that is happening when the Spirit of God comes into our life. The word of God comes alive. But in order for that to happen, we can neglect it. Let's turn to Psalm 19. That might be the last. Scripture in closing here. Psalm 119. <clears throat> it's a chapter, we know it as the longest chapter in the Bible, I think. 176 verses. <clears throat> but take time to look at it. It's full of prayers and praises. It's a it's the psalm to look at regularly and to pray, even the same prayers. We'll look at a few verses here. And one, one that's precious is way down in 105. 
and what we just talked about, <clears throat> your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about that for a second here. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Is that real? See, we, we love all the promises, but we have to make these promises real. The word of God cannot be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path unless I make it as such. Verse 9. You're going to look at two verses. I had more here, but we're, I'm just going to look at two verses here. How can a young man cleanse his way? So, again, as I said at the very beginning, we have commitments. We like to dedicate our lives to Christ. But many people say the battle has only begun. In a sense, it's yes. But one thing I know that we're not slaves to the enemy anymore and slaves to sin. We have our flesh to deal with. But how can we cleanse that now? And verse 9 has the answer. By taking heed according to your word. How can a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man grow into a, a, a man of God that is alive that brings forth truth, that blesses the church, that blesses God's people by studying the Word of God and taking it in and not neglecting it. How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your Word? With my whole heart have I sought you, or oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Go down to 14. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I have rejoiced in your testimonies as much as in all riches. Where does that put the priority of the word of God? I know in one part in Psalm 119, it talks about it's more precious than gold. There's some, it's something to discuss. How does the word of God measure with our desire to be rich and to have gold? I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So as a young believer, he is forgiven. He rejoices in the Lord. But how will he cleanse his ways? How will he grow? By taking heed according to your word. Here's a quote by R.A. Torrey. He's an evangelist that taught at Bible, Moody Bible Institute. He says this. You may talk about power. But if you neglect the one book that God has given you. As the one instrument through which he imparts and exercises power. You will not have it. You may read many books and go to many conventions. And you may have all your all night prayer meetings to pray for the power of the Holy Ghost, but unless you keep it constant and close association with the one book, the Bible, you will not have power. And if you ever had power, you will maintain it. You will not maintain it except by the daily, earnest, intense study of that book. Ninety-nine Christians in every hundred are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, ninety-nine Christians in every hundred are mere weaklings. When they might be giants, 
both in their Christian life and in their service. All right. So here we are. As believers, the word of God cannot be neglected. The Bible is like a telescope. If a man looks through his telescope, he sees worlds beyond. But if he looks at his telescope, he does not see anything but that. The Bible is a thing to be looked through to see that which is beyond. But most people only look at it, and so they only see the letter of the law. That's all we get. So, how do we practically form ways to immerse ourselves in the Word of God daily? And if we don't, can we be convinced that we have to? There's, there's, there's many ways to study the Word of God. I know in the last year, I've tried to read through the Word of God. And all you do, there's plenty of reading, there's plenty of good nuggets. But it's starting like studying it. Studying books, studying chapters, and studying topics. So, but I feel the Word of God equips us it um, it strengthens us, and um, I if, if we don't, as this writer here said, if if we don't hold it as dear as so, I believe there we will be. We will be crippled. God cannot do His work in us. This one part of the armor of God is amazing. And again, how did Jesus fend off the temptations of the enemy with the word of God? Every time he was done the enemy, when he quoted scripture. So, let's close our head. Let, no, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, again, we are grateful we are thankful for your word. Lord, we, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, we may see the preciousness of it, to immerse ourselves in it, to be strengthened by it, to use it as the sword so the Holy Spirit can effectively do its work in our lives. Lord, we pray that in our lives, in our even our personal lives, we may show that devotion to you. That we love you. That we see you. And that we look at your word, all of scripture, the word of God. Inspired by you, O Lord God. And then let it make and prove and conform our lives into the image of your dear son, Christ Jesus. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a prayer here to sing. If technology will uphold.
Thy word is a lamp of my faith and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my faith and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid, Think I lost my way, say you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear, as long as you are near. Please be near me to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid, think I lost my way. Say your name. Thank you.